wherever you may be around the world. And thank you for joining us once again on truthtoyou.org. That's truth number two, letter you.org. I'm Jono, and joining me is Mr. Spiritual Babies. G'day, Mr. Spiritual Babies. Well, good evening, Jono. It's nearly midnight here, and um, but I'm excited to be on this uh, show. It's going to be fun. Are you really? Listen, tell me, before we even dive into it, <laughs> you'll like the little pun that I threw in there. Listen, uh, have you ever been scuba diving? You know, what? Uh, one time I did in New Zealand. It was amazing. In New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. You liked? Yeah, it was, it was really cool um, and terrifying at the same time, but it was great. Terrifying? Did you come across any sharks or, or, or any uh, scary creatures? Well, you know, when you're um, way under the ground and um, there's like an, you've got an air canister on your back and you don't know which way is up, everything is scary. <laughs> but it was, you're doing, uh, it, it was safe. You're doing a scuba diving under the ground? Oh, yeah, way under the ground. <laughs> you're meant to be doing it in the water. <laughs> that was my What's best What's going on in New Zealand? <laughs> I don't know. And like I said, it's late. <laughs> okay, listen, I've never been scuba diving. I, look, I, lately I've been doing a whole lot of swimming to try and get my fitness levels up because, of, of course, we're going on the tour, the the, uh, the Israel from the Ground Up tour in March. People can go to the website. You'll see a picture of Keith and myself on the right. You can click on that and get the details because there are still seats available. But I've never been, and I like swimming, but I've never actually been scuba diving. But you're going to love this program, Mr. Spiritual Babies, because our guest today is for, well, he's from New York. He is a certified dive master and a certified rescue diver with, with 15 years experience in diving, my goodness. He also happens to be a world-renowned speaker, public speaker, conducting lectures and seminars around the globe. His website is www.outreachjudaism.org. That's outreachjudaism.org, where you will find his ever-so-challenging and in-depth Bible study entitled, Let's Get Biblical, Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah? It's, it's available in audio, in DVD. It has a hardcover study guide, and there's a whole lot of other valuable resources there as well. He's currently working on his latest book entitled In Search of Leviathan. Welcome to the program, Judaism's real-life scuba Steve, Rabbi Turbia Singer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, appreciate that. It's great to be on. <laughs> it's great to have you, you on. All those titles. You can just call me King of the Jews, and that's enough. You don't <laughs> I think it was a little elaborate. You know, just... Come on, it's not elaborate. I, I think you know, <laughs> actually, I, I just offended all, like half of Europe. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just like, like, don't be like a, like a crusade, as I said that. All right. Now so, listen, you, know. you should be you should be doing a. Uh, what I want to say. I mean, I know you're not really working on a on. A, you should be working on a book entitled "In Search of Leviathan" because. And it's, it's going to be a coffee book. It's going to be full of beautiful pictures. People are going to buy it. I don't have to buy it because I suggested it to you and you're going to send me a free copy. But you should do that. Yeah. Why don't you do that? You know, it's Jews you like it? you that give us guys a bad name. I just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> why, 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 because really my life is you know, devoted to teaching Tanakh. I mean, why don't I do that? Because, uh, you know, there are, I'm, I'm not, I, I love diving. That's, what I, that's the only thing I do outside of teaching scripture. But um, there are so much better photographers under the water than myself. Oh, so I, 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 I'm not being no. stop at you. I'm not being humble. <laughs> I'm not being <laughs> humble. I'm just I, I have you know knowledge of diving, um, many years doing that, and I, I know a lot about photography, the the uh, all the dynamics and so on. But there are people there out there who are just artistically they're just very gifted. What I do, whether it's scripture or under the water, is I can, I can identify something beautiful when I see it. I, when I, and I need to see the real thing. So when I see something magnificent, whether it's Isaiah and 
and Second Chronicles coming together like a symphony, that harmony, or, or whether it's seeing how God's creatures interact with each other and how each one has a defense and Hashem mm. put such wisdom in it, I just get blown away and pow. So what I do, I, I might have an artistic skill that I have an identity. You ask me to draw a man, it would be a circle with a stick. But the, <laughs> the underwater photography means that I, could, I see something magnificent and then I want to share with everyone. The same thing about Isaiah. When I, when I read the passages from the sacred timeless work, I want everyone to know about it. I want them to, and that's what I teach on. I teach with this Jeremiah. That's what, that's what gives me everything, the reason to live. That's the harmony, the music of life. And I just mm. transmit it. I don't, I don't, I plagiarize everything. I just teach what I see. <laughs> well, I want to try and bring both of these things together. Psalm 104, verses 24 to 26, it says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, this great and wide sea in which innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great, there the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you made to play there. Have you ever come across Leviathan yet? No, we're, we're not exactly certain the identity of that. That chapter is soars because it, of course, uh, speaks about echoes of God's uh, being the creator and the provider and mm. all your works praise you. I have, uh, so in terms of this great, the largest uh, animal in the world, period, we don't have to modify that, is a, is a, a whale, a, a blue whale, which is enormous. I've not seen one, the largest, I've seen the largest fish in the world, and that's, I've dived with, um, with uh, whale sharks, but uh, the key is that for me, I, when I'm diving, I'm praying to God, I'm praising Him. I, I don't mean that, in, in just, I, I see it, I study what I'm looking at, and then I know that Hashem is fingerprints. I, I could see the wisdom of Hashem in, in, in the underwater, but what, what do you see above water? Like, mm. dog, a cat, and a cockroach. So, <laughs> I and I say cockroach, I only meant fire, I don't know, I have no idea. I was like, what do you see, really? A fly? A so, there's no diversity, there's no biodiversity. Under the water, mm -hmm. there are more fish in the world, there are more marine animals in the world, and they're all, all reptiles and mammals combined. So, it explodes with information. And the, and the spectacular colors as well. I mean, now, now uh, Mr. Spiritual Babies, when you went scuba diving in New Zealand, it, what, was it just part of a tour that you were on, or was it something that you put your hand up to go and do? What, what made you decide to, to dive? Actually, the opportunity just came up, and um, it happened that uh, some of the people in the hostel where I was was, in, doing, the, was doing a course, and uh, they happened to know the, the, the dive instructor very well. They're, at, they're actually very strict rules <laughs> uh, governing how soon you can get in the water and what you can do in the water and then uh, that was sped up a little bit while i was there and i think i spent one afternoon in front of a whiteboard with a projector and um, by the next day we were diving which was a little bit soon i think possibly oh, well, so, the, so, so the preparation is quite in depth so have yep. you ever been tempted to return to the water you know i have but here in ireland uh it's not much to look at <laughs> I was going to say that. Like, what is he going to do? He might as well dive in his bathtub. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we've got some lovely um, shopping trolleys and um, old bicycles. If you want to see a really good old bicycle, um, this is the place to come. Yeah, that's like saying I want to dive in Brooklyn. It doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? It, the, the diving is, but but you can get yourself from Ireland to either the Red Sea, 
wow, pow, wow, you know, or Australia, we're diving amazing, but Europe really doesn't have any diving to speak of. Now, you were making noises about coming to Australia and doing some diving. Have you still got that on the... Oh, yeah. on the, Okay. I, mean, I don't know. The only thing is, I'm not, never sure what time it is in Australia. They, uh, what time, I don't even know. Say it's, it's, it's in three, what, what day is in Australia? It's three weeks from now. I'm in the future. I have to go down there really to straighten the place up. No, so <laughs> I, I, uh, in you know, in the next couple of months, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to make my way. I, I please God, I'll make my way to Australia, and uh, I just have to figure out because the you know, Great Barrier Reef is so it's so enormous that I need to figure out what are the mm. optimum you know places to to plunge, to film, to photograph, to share. Yeah, I can't wait. Now listen, you, uh, before we di- uh, before we dive, before we talk about some of those things, because I do want to come back to that. What what inspired you to take up scuba diving? What was what was the first time that you got in the water, and how did that come about? You're asking a brilliant question. When I was a kid, I was because I'm brilliant. Probably, yeah, this was a this for, this was a very good question you pulled out there. I can't get over. It. So the uh, by the way, I hope my British accent doesn't throw off your your audience. <laughs> <laughs> I was when I was a kid. I was absolutely petrified to go in the water. My mother, I may even these are like the earliest memories I have. My mother used to take me to Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, okay, and take me in the water. And the waves would come, and she like pulled me down as the waves came. I basically thought my mother was trying to kill me. I, I, <laughs> I, I was, I just, it was, uh, it's ugly, nasty water. You can't see anything. So mm-hmm. I was absolutely all my life petrified of putting a toe in the water, thinking for sure. When I saw Jaws, it just made so much sense to me. It confirmed every fear that I ever had. <laughs> now, what I was lecturing in the Bahamas. I was speaking at the Atlantis Hotel on Paradise Island and to a Jewish funeral director's uh, gathering. I was a keynote speaker. And after the lecture, there were no flights after the lecture, so I had the afternoon. We, I went jet skiing in the water. And then I stopped the jet ski and looked down, and I just, it, it blew my mind away. I saw everything it was the glass. I could see the fish, the colors exploding. And I saw that it was safe. That means I could see what was around me. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I decided not to swim in the water, not to snorkel, but I wanted to dive. And I, I, it was just a few weeks later that I was a diver. I was certified. And I still, to this day, I have no interest in swimming or snorkeling. I only want to be beneath the surface. Right. Wow. So where, where are some of your favorite dive locations? Where, where are some of the favorite places you have been? Well, the Red Sea is astonishing. The Red Sea is the highest salt content of any sea in any body of water in the world. The diversity, it's about biodiversity. Don't come to the Caribbean. There's only three, 400 species. In the Red Sea, you're talking about maybe 1,500 d- species. The colors are mind-blowing. The visibility is outrageous because of the, the salt makes it impossible for the algae and other organic growth to take place. So that's, Indonesia has the largest biodiverse, as the most biodiverse place on earth. And mm-hmm. diving with um, maybe 2,000 species is absolutely mind-blowing. So wow. that, but the Red Sea is very accessible. It's very inexpensive. It's fascinating. It's, some of it's very biblical. There's some fascinating discoveries in the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And it's wall diving. It's it's powerful. And if you want the big plagics, if you want to dive with the with the large sharks, that's where you go. Oh, I can't believe that some of the photos. I'm going to come back to the sharks because some of the photos that I've seen, <laughs> I'm very concerned for you. But uh, you, you are a certified rescue diver, correct? Yes. Dare I say that you are quite literally then a fisher of men? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I am. You, that's fair enough, isn't I it? I came up with it, and, and, and they stole it from me. 
he took that whole thing from me. That whole piece. You should have <laughs> copyrighted that. Yeah, you should have done that. I have a should, lot of Jewish lawyer I'm working it through. Okay. Have you ever I been in a situation? had to rescue anyone in my life. Because just you haven't. being a master scuba diver, you, 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 you train. You train hard. Um, I have never... Diving is very, very safe. Uh, in that when you go swimming and you're out there in the ocean, you're relying on your own, obviously on Hashem, but you are relying ostensibly on your own strength, your ability, your requisite skills and strength. When you're diving, you can't drown. You, you, you can't drown. You can't, um, you, you can't get in trouble. You're just because no matter what, you can float to the top. Your body is completely covered, so nasty organic material can't touch you. That's the easiest way to be in the water. That's the safest way to be in the water. Every day in the United States, 10 people drown every single day. But mm. maybe two people a year get uh, get get uh, killed by a shark. So we're talking well, about you hear drownings all the time. Scuba divers. Yeah, you hear of drownings all the time. But here in Australia, I mean, we're an island. We're covered by coast. And just uh, a few days ago, very sadly, a nineteen-year-old nineteen-year-old young man was attacked by a shark and died on the New South Wales northern coast, I believe. And it, it's it's we, we we it's not unusual to hear about occurrences such as this. In the media, and as you said, you saw the movie Jaws, and you're absolutely, you were absolutely petrified of sharks. I see photos of you swimming around, and as you're almost wearing them. It's like, you know, it's a bit cold outside. I think I'll throw on a shark. And, and there you are with sharks all around you. How do you do that? I mean, that freaks me out. I've hung on to the dorsal fins and, and moved with them. What, uh, like dolphins? What are you talking No, no, no. We're talking about sharks. I know, uh -huh. but I mean, I've seen people do that with dolphins. Like no, no, the, no. You can do it with the shark as well. Not every shark, but the... The big boys you can do that with. Uh, the key to the point, we don't now understand it is frowned upon to touch marine life when you're diving. But it, you get so close, you just have to just hang on. You got to feel it. You got to sense it. The, the problem, what, what happened, Rahman Islam, heaven, but what, what happened is terrible tragedy, is it, it's going to happen to surfers and people on a boogie board. Mm. Uh, what happens is that at the surface, part of your body, or part of this structure is submerged and part of it is outside the water. It creates a refraction of light. And that refraction, whether it's a shark or a person, distorts what the shark sees. And therefore, it's a case of mistaken identity. So, whereas a diver is below the surface, that means our entire uh, body are, is completely seen by the shark. Sharks on generally don't have the best vision, but they certainly could see they use other electromagnetic ways of sensing it, but they, what they see is a person, and Hashem programmed the shark. I mean, it's not like a cat or a dog, good move, bad move, uh, a, a mammal, it's not a, it doesn't have mammalian feelings. It doesn't, so a shark is programmed, hardwired. It sees a human, it has no idea what it's looking at. It's, you're not a part of its world. It will not, it will not, you have to do something really stupid to get bitten by a shark, but they the case of a diver getting bitten by a shark is maybe once in 15 years. It just doesn't happen because the shark uh, recognizes you. Oh, rec uh, doesn't recognize you. Are but they the um, curious? When, when you're under the water, did it, did it, does the marine life react to you in the way that you react to it? Or do they just get on with their day? They, you, they appear to be completely ambivalent to your existence. And the key is that diving is to use as little energy as possible to breathe so they don't like the bubbles they don't they don't mm. appreciate your presence but it's they're otherworldly so you have to be very very still in order to allow the fish to do whatever they do so you can observe them the exception of course is a dolphin um, mm. when you're diving and suddenly you hear them 
water is 26 times more dense than the air. So sound travels very quickly. And it's very, the audios just blow all over the place. And you hear the whistles and the clicks, and then you start to feel the chills because you know it's coming. And so you hear the, the dolphins, and then bang, they're there. Dolphins, a dog has the intelligence of about a three-year-old, a cat, an 18-month-year-old. Dolphin has the intelligence of somewhere around a seven or eight-year-old to a completely thinking creature. Really? So, yes. So when you encounter, this is, a, I mean, I could, we could do shows on dolphins. These are completely intelligent animals. I can only tell you the sense that any person who's listening to the show who's, who's, who's encountered dolphins in the wild, forget what you see, in the wild is they know, I can just say the sense is very clear, they know you're of the same as them, meaning they look into your eyes. You can play ball with them underwater. They know that you're, you have a, a, a thinking brain. Not fish do have brains, but they're very different um, orientation. And you could completely interact with them. Again, they're very, very, very intelligent animals. So there's a, there's I, a natural connection there is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, co- completely. Uh, the only thing is that, you know, we, uh, animals and us, we have a lot in common. I see a dog looking to get to eat, to, to mate, to sleep. I get that. I get that whole picture. Because we, like animals, are made from the dust of the earth. The difference is, of course, that Hashem, the master of the universe, blew the, his breath, his divine spark of life into us. And therefore, we have the tension that dolphins and other creatures don't. We, mm-hmm. we, we stand upright, vertical, because there's the part of us that faces heaven. And then there's the animal in us, and that's the tension that we have. Dolphins have no free will, but they're, they're just, they, they, they exhibit God's master in wonder. I, I couldn't even begin to talk about it. But we are made up of both the, the divine spirit of God and the animal, and that's the tension, and hence the free will. Wow. So let me, I'd like to read, if I may, another uh, scripture, Bereshit chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. And in it, it says, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, uh, which with the waters abounded according to that kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Now, very few of us, uh, Toby, get to see this abundance of living creatures, and but but it just so happens that you're a very keen underwater photographer. You mentioned that you you wanted to come to Australia. I, I'm looking at a photo of yours at the moment, and I found Nemo. Oh, the clownfish! <laughs> the, the clownfish! The, the clownfish! And there he is. You found Nemo. You yeah. took a photo of him, and here he is. Tell us about the clownfish. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, exploding with color. You only find that in tropical waters. They live all their lives in what's called an enemy. A, 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 it looks like fingers, and you'll see that orange. They're different colors. They're yeah. actually a little bit toxic, which means that the, the clownfish is a very beautiful creature. Photographers love them because, obviously, they explode with color. The enemy that they live in are, um, are, are just, they just color everything. It's like, it's like, it's, it looks like it was really made by Disney. But those, <laughs> those, that enemy is really toxic. And the fish really are not good swimmers. They spend their entire life living in that. And because they were born in that enemy, they are completely, um, they're completely safe from its toxins. That means only they can go into that environment and not be injured because they were born in it. And they live their entire lives in it or around it and never leave. And they live as couples. And you always see them together. And then they, that's where they breed. So 
it's again Sashem's wonders. I mean, it's 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 gorgeous to, as a photographer. It's wow. But what happens is you study it and you say, wow. So this animal cannot fish quickly. I mean, swim quickly. It therefore must have what did Hashem do to protect it? Because it it has to have. It's like a chess game. You have one weakness and a strength. Everything has that, and they live in this this environment that only they could be in. Every to anything else, it's toxic. Now, when I use the word toxic, you will not die if you touch it. It just would be. I'm very unpleasant to the skin, but no fish would ever want to go there. So they live their lives in there, and the photography is outrageous. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And some of these photos, all of these photos are just incredible. Mr. Spiritual Babies, what are some of your favorite photos that we're looking at here? Well, um, to be honest, I, I love the fish, but some of the, um, like the shrimp is amazing. The banded coral shrimp, just, yeah. it's, it's like a firework under the water. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and um, it's going to, and a lot of people might get upset. They'll be like, a shrimp, you know, that shellfish, you shouldn't be looking at shellfish, it's unclean, but that, you know, it's ridiculous. You shouldn't be eating it. But you should well, you shouldn't be eating it. it, yeah, but it's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> animal. Why can't you enjoy a beautiful Isn't animal? It? Yeah. He's, he, but he looks, uh, Toby, he looks hairy, right? I mean, he's, is he hairy? I mean, what, what's I, that about? I've got to tell, tell you the story of the shrimp. The shrimp was shot in a place called Bonaire. Bonaire is a very tiny island, probably the best island in the Caribbean, about 75 miles uh, north of South Venezuela. The shrimp was underneath the coral. I photographed that literally upside down, vertically, but up head down, and because it's underneath in a cave, in a sort of in, underneath the coral, so I couldn't get the angle. So I'm standing completely upside down, and it's kind of darkened. So I have my camera lights on the side, big lights, and I, I saw it. But I, when I always with these photographs, after I look at them on the big screen, I see much more than I would see, especially with the tiny little creature like that. So that was shot, I'm upside down, obviously I flipped the, the picture around, but that was shot upside down in Bonaire. I remember the second, I remember the moment that I, that I banged it out, and it's, it's brilliant, it's absolutely brilliant. It, it's true, Leviticus 11, we, we're not allowed to eat them, but looking at them is marvelous. Mm, amen, amen. So now I'm looking at a, uh, I think this is a frogfish, he looks like he went through the windscreen. It's... <laughs> Doesn't he? Uh, uh, frogfish is is a is a, um, a non-migratory predator. It's one of those fish that don't move. You basically can't really move. It looks like it was built by a committee. It's it it is hard to see when you're diving. You need you need to know what to look for. They camouflage themselves. Those photographs. I don't tamper with the frogfish, but I do remove a little of the saturation of the background because if I didn't, you wouldn't even be able to see it in the picture. The frogfish basically don't move. They also have a toxin on their skin because they can swim away from predators, and they have on their nose coming up. A little thing that wiggles around looks like a worm. It's actually part mm. of the frogfish. And they sit there and they wait. And they swirl this worm around that comes off the top of its nose. Along comes some unsuspecting little fish and bang. And I don't know if you see the picture with the frogfish eating. It's one after the other. I had to wait 20 minutes for that. And its mouth explodes open, double in size to the actual body of the animal. I had to, you have to wait there and just oh. wow. Bang it. That's, that's the photo that you've taken of the yellow one there, right? Right, the yellow one. So you have two sides. I sat there in Bonaire waiting until finally a fish came and the mouth explodes. It is the fastest moving reflex in the entire animal kingdom. It, it shoots out like a, like a gun. It's so it's so fast. Wow! And, so and it, it just, it's fish. Yeah. It's fishing itself, right? The little yes, thing that's yes. hanging off its nose is a little lure. Lure. Yes. Yes. Right. It has the lure. It looks just like a worm, but it's part of the frogfish. It sits mm. there, very camouflaged. And then when a fish comes by, going for the worm, its mouth explodes. And when I say explodes, 
it, it, it just, you imagine like a cannon, it just explodes and then sucks in the fish. It doesn't really have teeth. It just sucks it in. It's, it's, That's I mean, you right. just sit there and just go, I, I, am I dreaming? I'm, I'm <laughs> glad it's, it's equipped with all of that special gear because as animals go, it's not the prettiest. You know, I'd no. think, <laughs> no. in nature, I'd <laughs> much some rather sort of be a super killer <laughs> than a really pretty dinner for somebody. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, it's this is not filter fish. So no, no. this is not. This is not. gorgeous animals. There's a, a bright yellow eel. What kind of eel is this? A bright yellow greenish eel, isn't it? Greenish eel, yeah. Yeah, it's a moray eel. Uh, that was shot in the Grand Cayman Islands. Now, those shots wouldn't be possible any place in the world. It's not that eels are not poisonous, but you certainly don't want to mess with their mouth. They, 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 they open their mouth constantly and close them, not because they're biting, but because that's how they breathe. They have to move the, the uh, water through the gills in order to breathe, so they're opening and closing. Uh, but in Grand Cayman, there's some place called Stingray City, and there are these two eels that are, are so, have been so uh, comfortable around humans that they just come out looking for handouts and we just feed them as they come by. I know it sounds very weird, never touch an eel underwater, but these two eels are completely acclimated to human beings. Their skin feels very nice. I mean, it feels like velvet. It's, the only, it's something really, really nice. And they come by and just open your hand very wide open. You don't want them to take your finger. And just if you have a piece of fish in your hand, they just eat it out and they stick around. But that cannot be done anywhere else in the world that I'm aware of. And, yeah, and you can right. photograph things there. They, in, 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 in the wild, they're, they're hidden in a cave. They're hidden in a little crevice. They're not interested in you. And you just, with that there, they completely interact. So now I'm looking at a, now do I pronounce this, is this a grouper? Yeah, grouper. What, you know is, <laughs> what is going on there? Speaking of teeth, wow, uh, he's enormous. Yeah, he's a big boy. The largest group in the world, I'm proud to say, is called the Jewfish. I didn't make that up. <laughs> called, that isn't the Jewfish, but there is a Jewfish. Go ahead, Google it. It's there. Everyone goes, I don't believe that. There isn't a Jewfish. Well, there is. A Jewfish <laughs> is the largest group, but they weigh up to 700 pounds. And we, I think, as large as five or six feet, like two meters. They're like a, like a Volkswagen. I'm just, I'm just enormous. It's just that, but just bigger, bigger, bigger. You look, there's a funny spin on the... Now, why do they call it a Jewfish? I don't know. Ask a Gentile. I have no idea. But <laughs> happened, <laughs> Are there any Gentiles here? All right. So, but the, 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 what happened was, right, the story goes on, is that apparently the Anti-Defamation League didn't like that they called this huge grouper because it's, the groupers have these humongous lips. I mean, because they suck in whatever. Anyways, the big lips. I mean, huge. Yeah, they just do. The whole thing is just wild. It's just wild. So the grouper has lips. I mean, you have to look on YouTube or something to get what I'm saying. So there was all this people saying, you know, that's really not nice to call it a Jewfish. I don't know which Nazi called it a Jewfish, but I don't think they meant anything bad. So they actually then changed the name to a Nassau grouper in order to not offend the Jews. So it's either called a Jewfish, but what you're seeing there I think is a marbled grouper. So that's maybe a couple of feet long. But it is a very striking animal. Huge, just huge features. Easy to photograph because they're in cleaning stations frequently. They're sitting there being cleaned by other fish. So they'll just let you bang your shot away. What do you mean they're sitting there being cleaned by other fish? What, what <laughs> there's little, little car washes? <laughs> everybody feeds everybody. It's, it's symbiosis. What happens is that 
sharks will sit there in special cleaning station. They, they have uh, parasites that gather on their skin. And therefore, they will allow fish they would normally eat to come and literally clean out their teeth, clean out their mouths, go inside their gills and won't, open, won't close them because the, the animal that's eating it is gaining the nutrition from eating this bacteria, this material on the fish. The, the, the turtles, need they all need to be cleaned. So you all have to go into a cleaning station. And then fish that these animals would normally eat will not touch them because they need to be cleaned. So that's called symbiosis. Two animals working together. One is benefiting. Each one is benefiting in their own way. So the same thing that's with the group. Awesome. They need to be cleaned. It's, it's so unbelievable. Just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So I've seen in the shopping centers now, in the shopping malls, you can go in and sitting, the, sitting on a chair and they'll put your feet in this pool of water. And they have these little fish that come Oh, I've and, seen that. Right. I've seen I saw it actually at, at En Gedi. Uh, there was, uh, they, they had a facility like that. You could put your feet in, in, in a pool of water with these fish that would come and eat your feet. I said, <laughs> why would you want to do that? <laughs> well, it was good enough for the sharks. Yeah. But if someone's feet in water with fish, <laughs> why do we need a restaurant? We don't need a kitchen. Just get someone to put the water in charge of someone. That's that. That's so we do. I see. That's what I wouldn't be comfortable with. I like diving because I don't. I want to be in control. I like my body's completely covered by neoprene. I, I don't. I don't. I want to touch them, but on my terms. You know, I don't want to clownfish flying through so, those. <laughs> so <laughs> while, you, while you've been under, the, while you've been scuba diving, have you ever had a fish come up to you and say, "Hey, let me. I just want to clean that bit. Just right there. I just want to clean that on you. Is that okay? I'm just going to clean this." Yeah. They. They. There are. There are fish that will. There are in the Red Sea. I ha- I am going to look very carefully, I- and I'm going to please God if I find this image, which you won't believe it when I put it up there, of a diver I'm with, who, a fish that's a cleaner came and went in his ear just a little bit, just like a Q-tip, just went in his ear a little bit and started cleaning inside of his ear, and <laughs> I. I know this sounds like you're, you're right. You're making this one up. I'm not. This happened in Sharm in Sharm El Sheikh, which is the lowest point of the Sinai Peninsula. And I grabbed the shot of this guy with a fish partially in. The, now don't get scared, everybody. You're gonna go down with earmuffs. This is a. It just happens to be that he was in that place and that happened. But that that does happen with the cleaning fish. Want to clean, but you're covered. I don't like. I I wouldn't go down without being covered because I know what kind of organic materials in there. Wow. So listen, we've got uh, here in Australia, we have, uh, uh, particularly up in the north, the box jellyfish, which is one of, if not the most uh, yeah. uh, poisonous jellyfish, I think, in the world. And I know it has something incredible, like 24 eyes or something like that. I- I'm looking at a picture that you took of a jellyfish. What, do you know what kind of jellyfish this is? No. <laughs> but it's a jellyfish, everyone. <laughs> and it looks great. Come on, tell us something about know. jellyfish. Uh, let's in make up this. It's a it's a Hasidic Lubavitcher. I have no idea. <laughs> I was I'm in Charm and d- diving in the Sinai Peninsula, and I'm 15 feet below the surface because that's called a safety stop. Before you come up, you wait for three minutes at 15 feet. So you just hang out. You you just stay there to work off all the nitrogen. And as I'm there, bingo, I see this beautiful jellyfish with all its splendor and colors. Uh, and naturally, I, 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 pick it, I pick up my camera and pound, you know, get the shot, you know, get that, that great shot. Jellyfish, mm. uh, that's another thing about diving is that these jellyfish, which you cannot think, are sort of carried by the water and have tentacles down. Some of them are poisonous. Uh, uh, they don't, they're tentacles cannot penetrate your neoprene suit. 
This is another reason to stop with the swimming and with the snorkeling and get a wetsuit on. Again, your body is completely covered. It's not something you encounter very much, but it's true. The boxfish, I think, is not is the most possibly either that or the uh, blue-ringed octopus also in your backyard mm, are mm, the yeah. most poisonous creatures in the world. Yeah, that's no, so true. Touching a blue-ringed octopus will will uh, will will kill you in a very short amount yeah, of time. Yeah, you have is my no understanding. chance. It, 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 um, yeah, basically two minutes. Why is this? We've got the most poisonous snake. We've got the most poisonous octopus, the most poisonous jellyfish. We've got the most poisonous spider. <laughs> it's, but, it's, but, but these are not... <laughs> it's not fair that we should have the most poisonous of everything in one country. Who told you to go to the other side of the world? You should be on the <laughs> next side. You, you, I don't know if they, they didn't have much choice. <laughs> I mean, at least in Ireland they had St. Patrick who took all the, all, the, all the snakes out. Oh, yeah, he got rid of all the snakes and all the rhinos, and we don't have any unicorn problems either. Well, there you go, but we've got, we've got, the, most, we've got the funnel web spider and the brown snake and all of this stuff. I don't know. I think we can go, uh, anyway. So I'm looking at a picture here of um, a leopard. And it's titled Leopard. Is that a, a fish leopard? or a cuttlefish or a beautiful little <laughs> yellow spots on? And it's kind of, an, looks like a painted egg. It's amazing. Painted egg. Oh, oh, it's hanging on a branch. Right, yeah. Yes, yes, that's called a, a leopard. Uh, this is a heck of a time on air to do this. Um, it's a snail, and you have to look carefully on the sponge, and they hang on to it. It is, wow. Shot that in Key Largo, Florida, and it's a, it may be called a leopard something, whatever. It, it just, it, 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 the shell is exquisite. The colors are exquisite. The photographing them is outrageous. That's, that's, a, that's a brilliant animal. You have to look carefully at the sponge and the sea fans to... To notice them, they, they, but uh, they are brilliant. The name escapes me, but that's a beautiful. But you mentioned now. You did mention the cuttlefish. Now, the cuttlefish is something that I am fascinated with. I mean, usually when you're walking along the uh, the beach, you'll pick up a, a cuttlefish shell, you know, and give it to the budgie to sharpen his beak on. But um, you, the, the cuttlefish in the water changes colors and does some inc- incredible stuff. Have you seen that happen? Yeah, of course. It's uh, I couldn't. There, I do not possess the lexicon and I'm, I'm, I'm just talking just straight away you know I, I, I do not possess the words to describe uh, watching these creatures whether it's related to the octopus family it, it is like watching a movie it just doesn't feel real but you know it is but you just, you just can't believe what you're seeing because it does, it, it's so animated but these animals just simply immediately take on the exact color and texture of the background they, they're on. Same thing goes for the peacock flounder. In fact, at MIT, a uh, university in the United States, they, they took a chessboard, black and white squares, and they put it down, and an octopus went on it, and it just, the octopus took on the squares of the, check, of the chessboard. Oh, wow. It's, it's beyond, I can't, I know, I mean, I'm feeling chills as I'm describing this, but I... Take me very seriously. There are fabulous films where you could see it on YouTube and see an octopus simply getting onto a reef and suddenly blending in. It is marabu mahasech Hashem. All your works praise you. It, I, I, I don't, I'm, I, I, of course, I've seen this hundreds of times uh, where the octopus just, take, just changes colors to, br- I don't mean it, there's nothing subtle about it, bright oranges to dull blooms to... 
to to yellows and, and just mm. lights. It's not there's no subtlety. Because remember the octopus's life depends on it in the sense that it, or its eating habits depend on it. So it's immediately as soon as it touches it, within seconds, it changes huge colors like it had electric bulbs and someone was pulling switches. Nothing short of that. That's amazing. That is incredible. That's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Isn't how God amazing in his creation. Did you guys get certified, man? I mean, come on, let's go. Okay. I, I haven't done it yet, but <laughs> I'm really... What is it with the snorkel? <laughs> I don't know. Look, when I go, like, I don't mind getting into the snor- I don't mind getting into the surf and, and, uh, and, and surfing and whatnot, but if I put on a pair of goggles and look underwater in the sea, all of a sudden, I'm overwhelmed by the vastness of what I cannot see. Now, when you're above the water, it never, ever, it never occurs to me to be concerned about what is underneath, but once I look underneath and I can look around and I, can, I realize that my vision is only, uh, can only extend so far, all of a sudden I feel vulnerable. If I bring my head up out of the water, I can see all the way to the horizon, and for some reason I feel okay with that. What's with that? That's so deep, Jono. Thank you. That's, that's uh, really that works on so many levels. <laughs> we won't go yeah. there today. I could share you something know. really quite fascinating with you, if you'd like, and that, that's with regard to the Red Sea. Um, the Red Sea, ordinarily, you just get certified, and then you're able to dive anywhere in the world. You just—it's like it's a license that never expires. But to mm. dive in the Red Sea, you have to show 50 log dives within the last year, and the reason is it's wall diving. That means that the Red Sea just drops. It's a drift dive, and there's no floor. You don't see any floor. You talk about um, being disoriented. You, you have to use the wall and your computer as your orientation. So you're looking and, at the uh, wall. Listeners, okay. did you hear that he said, and your computer? Now he's taking not only incredible yeah, photography equipment down, he's got a computer <laughs> as well. Yeah, the computer is calculating how much air you have. It's calculating what it thinks, how much air you have left, how deep you are, the, the temperature of the water. It's got an electric... Compass, compass in it that it's got everything so it really tells you everything you need to know um, some of them actually have in them video games in case you just get bored not kidding um, <laughs> <laughs> stop laughing I'm kidding what happens is the very deep dives <laughs> it's so weird but you have to do what's called a, a decompression dive which I don't do I only do non-deep but we, you have to do all these stops along the way and wait there for a half hour to work off all the nitrogen so you're sitting there on a rope doing nothing at some ridiculous depth so they actually have video games so you can just sit there and and run it around <laughs> i can't believe this it's true <laughs> and he goes i want one now <laughs> i don't need the word i'll just want to play with the video games the red sea has a, is an enormous trench very very deep it drops thousands of feet down six thousand eight thousand as in essence when you're diving you can't see the bottom you're only orienting yourself through the wall the key question was, we're going back to the Bible. Some 3,328 years ago, Scripture tells us the Jewish people crossed this sea. The problem is there would be nowhere to cross, meaning it's a cliff. It all just drops straight down. It's a wall. So if you remove the water, let's say you part the water, you can't walk off. It'd be like walking off the tallest building in the world, much higher. You just would fall down thousands. Of thousands. You'd fall down miles. That miles? Miles. Just you I mean, if it's 10,000 feet, you fly, you just fall, and it's a straight sheer drop. So the question is, where could the Jews have crossed? There's only one place, and listen like you've never listened in your life. If you're standing, sit down. There's only one place, and we all who've, who've taken boats across the Red Sea know exactly where it is. It's, it's a one very shallow area of the Red Sea. It just never dips lower than about 200 feet or so. And it goes nice down, and then it comes right up the North African continent. 
the only place this is possible. When you're on a boat, everything has to be tied down because imagine the water comes in and smashes into this beautiful little place that, and that's the only place that where people could just walk gently down, walk to the other side, and then come back up. Well, going back about a decade ago, folks said, well, if this is the only place that the Jewish people could have crossed, let's send down diving equipment, let's send down the cameras. We want to find, is there any relic of, the, of this epic event in human history? Sure enough, and I'm feeling chills as I'm telling you this, you can Google this search. They found there chariot wheels and chariot parts, Egyptian chariot parts strewn throughout this very unique only area of the Red Sea. They're not chariot parts being in a ship. They're cha- Egyptian chariots, wheels, spokes, the whole thing, laying there in the ground, obviously with enormous crustacean of, of coral that's formed around it, right there. And, it's, it's, uh, and they date it back to about 3,000 years. And you can go, just go on Google Images, Egyptian chariots, Red Sea, and bang, it's right there for you to see. It's the only place that the, any people could have crossed. No other place would have allowed it. Any other place you would have walked off the edge, you'd somehow drop down thousands of feet. I oh, know, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. That is incredible, isn't it? Isn't that, that crazy? Is, isn't, that that totally, is... isn't that like, wow? Like, you just, wow? But it's right there. So, uh, God bless. So, they went di- deeper than I would have gone. They went down fantastic equipment. But the, the, the Egyptian chariot wheels are there, just strewn right, right on that area. It's, we mapped the whole Red Sea, obviously. Uh, okay. the, everything else is thousands and thousands of feet down, and it's a straight wall drop. Only there do you have that nice little path to walk across. That's amazing. And, and that's, of course, uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 25. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they, uh, they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And, uh, and that's what he's saying, that the archaeological evidence is there. Yeah, it, it's, 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 uh, and, you know, it, there's so much going on because you think of Iran, you know, the, Ezekiel tells us that God will harden the heart of the enemies of Israel. Mm-hmm. Look at them like, what, what are they thinking going to war against Israel? And you ask mm-hmm. yourself, 11 months of 10 plagues in Egypt, what was Pharaoh thinking of going after the Jews? You think he would have enough. Exodus 4.27, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's mm-hmm. what he's doing right now in Persia. His hand now is upon the land of Israel and the world. His focus on that part of the world. Mm. Amen. So, listen, I think <laughs> we've... There's so many photos that I would love to ask you about, but we're running short of time now, and I and I really wanted to talk about at some stage we might have to come back and do this if you're if you're willing uh, to talk about Ezekiel chapter 47 uh, verses 7 to 10. There's a little homework for the listeners; they can uh, read up on that. And would would you be willing to come back and uh, talk about that with us? Of course, that's the end. It's not the end of Ezekiel. One more chapter. That's the completion of the of the 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 size of Israel, Jerusalem. And the third temple, fabulous effects, fabulous effects, marches right through and thunders. It's all, it's all, all inspiring. Very, very special. It's, that. it's amazing, and it talks, it talks about uh, that the uh, the waters will be healed, and I and I think, but let's not get into it in the detail now. But I think it's talking about the Dead Sea that the waters will be healed, and it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, it will live. There will be a great multitude of fish. Because these waters go there, for they shall be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes, and it shall be that scuba divers will dive there, and fishermen will stand there from Engedi to En Eglaim, and they will, and it goes on and on and on. It sounds very exciting. I'd love to talk about that with you uh, again soon. Rabbi Tobias Singer, my friend, thank you so much for coming on to Truth to You for the first time. Well, it was an honor joining you here on here. Get yourself certified right now, both of you. 
And it was a, a joy to uh, discuss Hashem's wonders with you on air. Thank you and shalom. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Mr. Spiritual Babies, for joining us. Until next time, dear listeners, be blessed and be set apart by the truth of our Father's Word. Shalom. Shalom.